Yo, we are back on the Big House Big Talk podcast. Michigan just came off a big time win against Indiana, a night game, and really, probably even more important, Michigan State takes a loss to Purdue by 11. So, I'm just going to ask you this straight up. What do you think is more valuable for Michigan season? This win or Michigan State's loss? Um, interesting question. And we know Purdue has a knack for upsetting top five teams. We've seen it before. But, you know, Michigan State kind of being knocked out, that's huge for Michigan's percentages of making a college football playoff. I mean, if we win out, I mean, we can pull it on destiny. We can make the playoff. Yeah, I agree, because now really all that we need is Michigan State to lose to Ohio State in Columbus, which, if we're being real, it's looking like that's going to happen. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out for the rest of the year. So I do kind of just want to talk about that Indiana game. You know, that pass pressure is probably the best in the nation. We continue to impress – and David Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson, just continuing to apply so much pressure on the edge. And our secondary is just continuing to look better and better every single year yeah. and every single game. But, um, yeah, I think our defense is set. And when we eventually have to play Ohio State, it's going to be – It's going to be interesting, yeah. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see if the – if the young secondary comes, you know, into play, but and just... show up against two of the top receivers in college football in uh, the top receiver court and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, if he's oh, going to be yeah. able to go, but probably and Chris Olave, obviously. So it's going to oh, be super man. interesting. Olave has killed us every single year. Man. Every single year. And, you know, really here, the theme in every single game that we've had against Ohio State in the past couple of years is the run game. J.K. Dobbins consistently killed us. And Curtis, I mean, even like, I don't remember Curtis saying. And, you know, Don Brown, he would just blitz off. And Ohio State would run underneath routes on us. And if we couldn't get pressure, it was over. I mean, yeah, exactly. I I just remember, like, J.K. Dobbins especially oh. running all of the, the um, defensive yeah. line. And Travion Henderson, personally, not even going to lie, he has solid game on the on the ground. I like, I like what I see from him, but I don't like it against Michigan. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, it's going to be super interesting to see how we match up against Ohio State. But our game next week is what we got to focus on. Penn State, what do you think What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that Michigan is going to come in there and take a big-time lead? Or do you think that we are going to start struggling? Because here's the thing. This is Michigan's second-hardest game. Yep, yep. Not count, I um, mean, not counting Michigan yeah. State. And um, I can I could definitely see it going both ways. I mean, Penn State and us were actually pretty similar. I mean, we had a kind of close game with Wisconsin. We kind of killed Indiana. And Penn State, give credit to them. They held it close with Ohio State. And even mm-hmm. when their uh, 
QB got injured, barely lost to Iowa. I think they should have won that game. I think Sean Clifford being fully healthy is going to be such an X factor. I mean, obviously, you know, good for him that he's healthy again, but it's it's going to be I, – because I remember watching the Iowa game, and I remember their backup quarterback came in after Sean Clifford got hurt, and their offense, it was basically non-existent. They didn't have an offense. So it's going to be – and Sean Clifford just brings an entire new element to that offense, um, and so does Dotson. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Michigan's secondary and their pass pressure stacks up against Sean Clifford and the offense. So I do also want to bring this up. So Jim Harbaugh is saying that the Big Ten admitted to some of the false calls against Michigan State. So I just... I mean, obviously, you can't like forfeit the game or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, this is—is is this going to? What is this going to do in terms of narratives, or even if this becomes a factor in the college football playoff? Does this make Michigan State's win against Michigan look less valuable? Does this make Michigan's loss against Michigan State look more acceptable? What happens? With those claims, and what what happens? Um, it's a tough question because you know if they're both uh in a race for that number four spot in the college football playoff, it's gonna be tough. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I obviously think that Michigan is clearly the better team, mm-hmm. but you you can't. It, it is really tough. To put Michigan ahead of Michigan State, I don't. I don't. Loss. First of all, I don't feel like Michigan. I Michigan and Michigan State. If they did get into a situation where they yeah. were fighting for the fourth spot, that would be. I mean, that would be super interesting. It, it really depends how the rest of the season plays out. But right now, if I'm the committee, I hate to say I have to go with Michigan State. You can't. No, well, I'm not – because, I mean, here's the thing. It's oh. doubtful that Michigan and Michigan State will be in that position because Michigan State, they would pick up their second loss against Ohio State. Right well, now, it's really unlikely. Right here. You know, if the season ended today and Michigan and Michigan State were competing for that fourth playoff spot, it would be really tough. It would be. Michigan here's, – here's the thing. There are so many scenarios in the Big Ten East right now, and who is going to get to Indianapolis? I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the Ohio State-Michigan game, like it usually does, yeah. to be honest. Because Michigan State, it, they're, if I'm being real, Michigan State is not beating Ohio State. We've yeah. seen how bad that Michigan State secondary is, and we've seen how explosive that Ohio State passing game is. I don't see Michigan State beating Ohio State in Columbus. But that Ohio State-Michigan game, like we talked about, it's going to be so interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, I it's it's just such a crazy dilemma in the grand scheme of things, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, another thing, I mean, if Michigan wants to jump into that top five, top six, they want to beat Ohio State, they want to beat Penn State, uh-huh. Downs over field goals. Our when we get into the red zone, uh, 
55% of the time, we get touchdowns. That's it. If we're, yeah, if we're that, that needs, that needs to jump line, up. We're inside the 20-yard line. 55% sure, 55% uh, chance we get a touchdown. That's actually not acceptable. That's here's the thing. This is where J.J. McCarthy comes into play. Because we have seen some of the magic that J.J. McCarthy does inside of the red zone. He is a little bit more fluent in that area of the field than Cade McNamara is, in my opinion. I think like as, like he gives his receivers better chances to make a play. Yeah. And that's something that Cade struggles with. He just makes the safe throws. And, and that's, that's not going to be better decisions. That's not going to be Ohio State a lot of the time. And I think what lost us that MSU game, Jake Moody had to come out onto the field and kick four field goals. Yeah, that, that, it, 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 we lost by four. We lost by four. If one of those field goals turned into a touchdown, it's tie game. We go into overtime. I think we win that. So I mean, it, yeah, and that's win games. When uh-huh. you're inside the 20-yard line, 55%. I mean, yeah, and that's that's, that's where – yeah, and that's where it that's where it comes to play um, with also, like, our wide receivers and our running game. Like, how do we balance it out in the right – because here's the thing. We have slowly became more and more pass-heavy every single game. So, especially with the Blake Horn injury, which we'll get to later – what what do we – we need to have, I feel like, a specific thing that we do in the red zone because we've seen what works. We've seen – we've seen what – um how they get the tight ends open and they use that a lot in the red zone. They don't run the ball a lot in the, in the red zone. That's the one thing I realize. They don't run the ball a lot. We usually use our run game to just create big chunks of yards and – I feel like that isn't how we should be using a run game. I feel like we need I feel like we need to give our receivers more chances to make a play and we need to run the ball more when we need to. I I think that's really all that we need. Our to receiver do. room is so talented, you know, give give them a chance. Throw it up. I mean, we Yeah, we saw we saw JJ McCarthy. We saw JJ McCarthy make a great pass to Andrew Anthony against Michigan State. That jump ball situation, and he yeah. just snagged that, caught her touchdown. But I mean, that's also another thing because Michigan State is one of the worst secondaries in the Big Ten, and we've seen that many times. But it's just, it, it is really interesting because I mean, I would rather have, I would rather have seven than three. So you know, and that, and that also is a thing against Ohio State that we're not going to be able to beat Ohio State if we can't change what we're doing in the red zone because we've seen it every single year. Like, for example, 62 to 39, I've heard that score many times. That 39 right there, that came from a lot of field goals is all yeah. I'm going to say. But you, know, you're that back in, you can't really blame the off. I mean, put up 39 points. No, yeah, you, you can't blame the offense. Was just Jordan Glasgow – uh, just couldn't, couldn't cover. Brandon Watson couldn't cover uh, drag routes. That, 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 no. You can't really blame the offense for that game. Yeah, no, you can't blame the offense too much, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when we see those, I mean, it's such a cliche example, but when we see those ratchet numbers, like 39, 36, 33, that puts a statement on the offense that we need to keep 
on doing our thing in the red zone, we need to stick to what works. I think that's really the main thing now. Another thing that I wanted to talk about that I mentioned earlier, Blake Horn's injury. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Because I think, and I know that Hassan Haskins has the potential to break out as the running back one. But it really just depends on how long-term Blake Horn's injury is going to be. Um, Harbaugh refused to give any updates about injuries, so but, I'm just so, like you said, every single game we become more pass heavy, so we're not relying on our running game too much. And I still think Haskins, I mean, for the entirety of that game after Quorum got injured, he took every single uh snap, yeah. And we've and the thing is, Haskins has became more and more of an all around back the more we've seen him play. Haskins at the beginning of the year, I remember that Western Michigan game, we were giving Corum the majority of the carries, but Haskins was really just used as a power back. Now we're seeing Hassan Haskins make all of these, you know, all these big time runs, all these, you know, he he's kind of became, like, he's became a lot faster, I feel like, and he has a lot more agility than he did at the beginning of the season. He's made a lot of progress, and I think that he could, potentially be one of the best starting running backs in the country if Blake Corum's injury is, like, serious. So, I just wanted to put that out there. That's going to be really interesting, especially if Corum isn't ready for Penn State. How is this, how is this on Haskins going to perform against Penn State? So, yeah. I think another thing is, is our K... I do want to talk about this, the QB situation. We talk about it almost every single episode. Cade McNamara is, I, I've noticed this, his, his tendency to stay in the pocket way too long is a problem. I'm going to, I'm going to say that his tendency to stay in the pocket is a problem. And that's something that we've seen from JJ McCarthy. That's just so much better he yeah. is able to get out of the pocket. He's able to, you know, use his time and he's able to make a decision. He's more, I, I don't want to say he's more fluent with the offense, but he understands his reads, I feel like, a lot more. How do you, how do you feel about your current status on the QB situation? Will we eventually have to put J.J. McCarthy in the game? I mean... JJ kind of reminds me in this kind of stretch, Russell Wilson. You know, he doesn't always use his legs. That's a good question. You know, rush after the line of scrimmage, just buying time in the pocket, rolling out, making defenders kind of miss a little bit, uh, Mm -hmm. buying time for his receivers to get open. And kind of reminds me of Russell Wilson. You know, not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy to begin with, but he's smart with his legs and moves around in the pocket really well. I think another thing is, I think the only reason that we've kept Cade starting at quarterback is trust. Jim Harbaugh, and I feel like even when you're watching the Michigan game, you have more trust in Cade McNamara. Because here's the thing, Jason McCarthy, the only reason that he's not starting right now is because he's he's younger and he makes a lot more mental mistakes. Cade McNamara doesn't make a lot of me- – he doesn't make those mental mistakes. He doesn't make a lot of dumb decisions, and he, he only has one interception all year. And Cade, that's that's the thing. Cade, he makes the safe throws, 
and he's he's led Michigan to a good record. We're eight and one right now, Ooh. and that one was probably his best game of the entire year. Yeah. So you can't you can't blame him really for anything that's been bad going on because if we're being real, we could just as well be nine and zero right now, and we could be a top three team in the nation. And you know, one one kind of hypothetical, if whatever happens this season, go on to next season, and JJ's named the starter. Does Cade stay at Michigan? Yeah, that's that's another program, and he knows JJ kind of runs a lot, so the risk, the injury risk, is very high. So do you stay at Michigan if you're Cade in that position? I think. I think against Maryland specifically, you. I think that because here's the thing: we have three more games left on the schedule. We have Penn State, we have Maryland, and we have Ohio State. I think that we will. I don't think, or depending on how it goes, I don't think that JJ is going to get much time against Ohio State. But Maryland is an interesting is an interesting one because Maryland does not have a good defense, and I think they're going to be more vulnerable to some of the stuff that J.J. McCarthy does. I think, and I was saying this, I think that we should have given J.J. McCarthy, he did get a lot of time against Northwestern, but I think we should have taken some of those games. We should have taken some of those games and and had J.J. McCarthy playing a lot more. I We, I, we had him playing for one half an okay. entire half of the um, NIU game. But we, I think that we should just keep giving him more reps. But it's so hard because Cade, after this year, has three more years left. He's on the same page as Shane. Yeah. So you don't want any of them to to be like, oh, but at the end of the day, we have to make a decision. And Cade is not giving up that starting job too easily. So I, I just, I don't it, know what's going to happen. The Penn State game before we wrap this up. Penn State's O line is nothing special. And, you know, by PFF, going off PFF, Hutchinson's the number one D in the country, D end in the country. Ojabu is number eight. So number one and number eight going up against a subpar Penn State O-line. I think Sean Clifford's in for a rough, rough game. Um, I think, and another thing is, what was I going to say? Yeah, the thing that, has Michigan's D line hasn't made a lot of mental mistakes. Michigan State's O line had such an impressive game, in my opinion, against their D line. I think they did great. And Kenneth Walker really got all the credit for it, obviously, because he's the running back. But I it's gonna be super interesting to see what kind of pressure we get on Sean Clifford in the Penn State offense. So that's where we're gonna wrap it up, guys. We're going to Happy Valley to play Penn State. It's going to be a good one, but for now, peace out. Go Blue, guys.